the Quinn family. Uh, all five are officially adopted, and uh, that's something that to really celebrate. So, and it's fun to watch Marianne as grandma. Uh, that's a pretty amazing. Well, I think we all know that Jesus is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. And, and we lack nothing. At, at times I know we, we feel like we lack in a lot of different things. But as long as we have him, as long as he's leading, he's going to make sure that we get everything that we need. He lets us rest at times in grassy meadows. He leads us to restful waters. He keeps us alive. He guides us in proper paths for the sake of his good name. A shepherd who loses his sheep loses his good name. So it's on Jesus to care for us. And then at other times, we walk through the darkest valley. He actually is leading us through the darkest valley. But we fear no danger because he, our shepherd, is with us. He has a rod, he has a staff, he protects us even in a dark time. So sometimes as Jesus, our shepherd, leads us, we're on a pathway that leads us to rest. Thank you, Lord. We rest in grassy meadows. Uh, we linger by restful waters. We experience the life he provides. So just take a moment and kind of dial back to that moment that you're beside some stream somewhere, maybe here in town, maybe up in Colorado, maybe even some other faraway place, and you, you are resting beside a brook. You're lying on the grass and just kind of recall what it was nice, just, the, just how nice it was to rest beside those waters. But the pathway that Jesus leads us on is not always restful. At times, he leads us on a path that leads us into darkness. We walk through the darkest valley. And in that darkness, we sense death. But regardless if the, if the pathway is towards rest and life or in darkness and death, Regardless, he's our shepherd, and he is with us. This morning, as I said earlier, we come to the end of the season of common time on the church calendar. And our next season is Thanksgiving, then Advent, then Christmas, and Epiphany. Bam, 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 bam. So what I want to try to do this morning is I want to try to bring an appropriate end to our common time, and then at the same time begin to direct our community or the, the coming seasons. As Jesus leads us as our shepherd, I, I, I'm going to share my perspective. Um, you don't have to, you know, you know you don't have to agree with my perspective. Uh, I appreciate you listening to my perspective, but it may not be yours. But since, since at least March of 2020, I, I, my sense is we have been walking, as people following Jesus, we've been walking through a valley of darkness. 
has been all too frequent. Death for Susan and I has been minimal until the last month. And we've had more friends pass away, the majority from COVID, than we had in the previous years. So, I mean, I wish that that was behind us, but it's been very present. It's been a very uncomfortable time. So as I think about that, that pathway through darkness and death being so close and, and how uncomfortable it is, even the times you question, Jesus, where are you? Uh, I, I think all of that leads us to a place where we can relate to those places in the Bible where people are withdrawing to deserted places. Matthew records a time when Jesus goes into a deserted place out of grief. And people, just people just like you and me, go out to meet him there. And so as, as I read that account, it's going to be short. What I want you to know is I, I, I see us. That's where I see us. Following Jesus. Jesus who's grieving to a deserted place. And how he cares for those people. That's how I see him caring for us now. So this is what Matthew writes. When Jesus heard about John, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the crowds learned this, they followed him on foot from the cities. When Jesus arrived, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion for them, though he was grieving. He had compassion for them and he healed those who were sick. That evening, his disciples came and said to them, This is an isolated place. It's getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And that's the beginning of the feeding of the 5,000. But there's this transition that, that's from the death of John to the feeding of the 5,000 that I want us to focus on. John the Baptist, I would remind you, is the forerunner of the Messiah, just as the Old Testament prophesies the coming of Messiah, the Old Testament prophesies there'll be a forerunner, there'll be a herald. Whenever there was a new king in the Middle East, there would be an announcer, someone that would run city to city. There's a new king, there's a new king, there's a new king. That's who John the Baptist is for Jesus. He's also Jesus' relative. Jesus and John are cousins. Mary's mom, probably named Mary, and Elizabeth's mom were sisters, making Mary and Elizabeth cousins, making Jesus and John second cousins. John spoke truth to power. You remember the time that the Pharisees came out to him and he's by the river, and they, you know, they're asking, what are you doing baptizing people? I mean, by what, what's going on here? And he says, you brood of vipers. I mean, if, if that's the way you're going to talk to like the religious uppity-ups, I mean, you, you're speaking truth to power, but putting yourself at risk. But he also did it with Herod. 
a king. He was outspoken. Herod was going to have an illegitimate marriage, and, and John was not going to be quiet. If you're going to be the king of Israel, you can't do this. And so Herod, even though he liked John and he listened to John, he was intrigued by John, he still had John beheaded as a birthday favor. When Jesus gets news of that, he withdraws. As you look at that map, the purple area, that's the area that Herod Antipas ruled over. He was granted rule over those areas. The, the top is Galilee, the other is Perea. He was given the kingship of those areas by the Roman emperor. Herod and the, the Herodian family, going back to Herod the Great, they were not the actual lineage of kings. They're not the kings of Israel. They're usurpers. They're, they're illegitimate. They, they, they went to the Senate in Rome and they bargained their way into a position of power. And they did that becoming beholden to the Roman Empire. Israel actually became a client state of Rome because of these Herodian kings. And so Jesus... You see where Tiberius is? Tiberius is on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. It was built by Herod Antipas. Herod the Great was the great builder, built the temple, built his, built his palace down by the Dead Sea. But Antipas follows. So he builds the city of Tiberius. He names it Tiberius because of the emperor. Well, that's where, that's where John is murdered. And we don't know where Jesus was in Galilee, but notice the blue lake, that's the, that's the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus left that purple and went one of the directions over to the white, towards the Golan Heights, to the other side of the lake. And he did that, grieving this violent execution by an unjust, immoral, an, an imposter king. Again, the contrast in that is this. Both John and Jesus announced the same good news. Repent. Get your mind around this. If you can wrap your mind around this, the kingdom of God is near. God is, is going to reestablish His rule over fallen creation. And both the Jewish and the Roman government, they refused to change their rule. And they continued to rule unjustly through religious intolerance, military power, state-sanctioned violence, as if that divine announcement meant nothing at all. See, there is a power encounter between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. Until the kingdom of God arrives in fullness, 
that's going to be measured by Jesus returning. There's going to be times like this time that we're reading about when the kingdoms of this world get their way. Herod got his way. Now, sometimes we try to cover it up and say, well, that's what God wanted. That's not what God wanted. God didn't want John beheaded. That's what happened. But that's not what God wants. God wanted Herod to listen to John and to repent and to welcome the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. But he didn't. Thankfully, there's also times when the kingdom of God is wonderfully and beautifully demonstrated in the story of Matthew and Mark, Luke and John, and even in our lives. You see, the kingdom does come. So when Jesus arrived, in his grief, he stepped out of the boat. We should, we, and we should learn from that. It, it takes less time to walk around the Sea of Galilee to, than to row or sail across the Sea of Galilee. The crowd got there before Jesus. You know, he could have said at that moment, you know, I'm so disheartened. The kingdom of God has just suffered a great loss. The message that I'm announcing is being ignored. It seems that the kingdoms of this world are so entrenched, they're so in power, that I'm not making a dent at all. But that's not what happened. I do think all of those thoughts tumbled through Jesus' head as as he worked his way over the Sea of Galilee. Father, you've asked me to announce the coming of your kingdom. You're asking me to to invite people into your kingdom because the kingdom is here now. You want people in your kingdom. You want people to, to benefit from your rule. And God, look what just happened. A king of this earth killed your servant. And for what? To appease a bitter woman. But Jesus stepped out, and literally his heart went out. His his love was expressed in compassion and mercy for the crowd. So even in his grief, in his disillusionment, in his desire to be alone and and try to regain his his focus and his balance, Jesus' heart went out to this crowd and they felt his love. He loved this crowd of human beings and he expressed that love in compassion and mercy. His heart, though broken, went out to them. In our translations say he healed the sick. But I want to suggest to you that something else happened. I, I do believe that those that were sick were healed. But within the flow, within the context, the story I'm trying to tell you, there's another selection. And that selection is he cared for the powerless. Like Jesus, the crowds that followed him experienced the abuse, the injustice, the cavalier-type rule 
of a false king, Herod. What John got, this crowd got in a variety of ways. They were under the authority of a government that ruled by fear and oppression and violence. So Jesus cared for them. He waited on them, is another literal translation. He, he waited on them, which to me means he, he could empathize. I understand. I know what it's like to lose. I know what it's like to be under the boot of an oppressor. And I believe in waiting on them, he's restoring their humanity because oppressors don't look at humans. I know I've told you this story, but it, it, just, it just flew through my head just again to illustrate how humanity can be lost when there is oppression. When Susan and I first visited Rwanda, we walked around the neighborhood of Olivier. Olivier was uh, a follower of Jesus, attended the School of Reconciliation, a wonderful guy, lives in Kigali now. And, and as a young man, he was on the streets of Kigali during the, the genocide. And as he's showing us his neighborhood, he looked, we came to an intersection, he said, that's, that's where I, I first, I saw my first person murdered at this intersection. He used the term, he said soldiers, the soldiers murdered this woman at this intersection. And, and I said, and I just, I just I, they shot her right here? He said, no, they didn't shoot her. They pushed her to the ground. And they stepped on her until she expired. Because in their mind, she was no longer human. She was a cockroach. See, oppressors lose sight of humanity. And Jesus is restoring that humanity. And Jesus is restoring freedom out of the rule of someone like Herod Antipas. And I believe that he's giving them hope, hope for a better day. The day that he's announcing the kingdom of God is here, it's so near, and this is what we need. We must have God back in charge. God doesn't do this stuff. The miracles of Jesus, which follows in the feeding of the 5,000, but also in the healing and the caring for the powerless, are part of the invading dominion of God which Jesus brings with his own person in proclamation, the kingdom is here. and act, the sick are healed. The demons are driven out. The hungry are fed. They are the dominion of God overcoming and expelling the sway of demons and Satan who operate through the kingdoms of this world. The nations, including our nation, have not yet bowed to the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. Psalm 2 says it, and it continues to be true. Why do the nations rant? Why do the peoples rave uselessly? The earth's rulers take their stand. The leaders scheme together against the Lord and against the anointed one. 
Come, they say, we will tear off their ropes and throw off their chains. Another way of saying, we'll be our own God. We'll rule. God will not rule us. Until our shepherd king returns, we will all experience days of glory when the kingdom of God overcomes and expels the sway of demons and Satan, and we will experience days of groaning when it seems that demons and Satan hold sway over our world and all who inhabit it, and they'll never be free. I believe we've been living in days of groaning. And so what do we do? What do we do in our sorrow? As I said, I believe what Jesus did for them, he does for us. Be assured, Jesus is grieving with us. It's time for us to take a step back, retreat, find that deserted place, wherever that might be. It can be your backyard. It doesn't have to be the other side of the lake. Because it's in that deserted place that you're going to find Jesus. And his heart is going to extend to us. So we need, this is a season for us to receive his love expressed in compassion, mercy. We can invite him to care for our feelings of powerlessness. Just think right now how many cases are in the courts of the United States. Things, justice is in the balance. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't have any power about the outcome of those cases. But I know a lot is riding on that. And I have feelings of powerlessness. Is evil going to win out? Is the kingdom of this world going to, again, seem to be so set that the kingdom of heaven can't shake it out? We need him to restore our humanity and our hope. We've had a lot of violence in these years. We've had this, these senseless conversations about is it guns or is it people? What about the people that died? The human beings that died violently. We can't lose sight of humanity. We can't lose sight of hope that Jesus has pledged to make everything new, that his kingdom will come. So may we continue to pray unceasingly, maybe like ratchet it up to the next level. Oh God, how we need you to rule on this earth. How we need you to establish your government overall, that all governments serve you and your purposes.
Let your kingdom come. Establish your kingdom, your rule, your reign. Establish it now. Establish it here. Establish it in us. Influence us with your rule. I want you just to take a moment. I just want to do a little ministry. Just, it's just prayer ministry. And I want to just kind of pray these things over us. Jesus, it's easy for me to say that you're grieving at this time, but that's just me saying it. I pray that you would allow us all to have that experience of your sorrow in these days. Let us know. Let us be assured that you are grieving along with us. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would guide us. Guide us to that place of retreat. Guide us to that place that's deserted where we find Jesus. And as his heart is extended to us, I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive his love, the love he wishes to express to us. He wants to express his compassion and his mercy toward all of us. May we receive that. And Jesus, we invite you to care for our sense of powerlessness, as if things will never change. But, oh Lord, address that. As we begin our morning focused on hope, restore hope, Lord that what we believe is true and that you want all things to be new and you want the things that are violent and that create death and that are unjust, you want those to change now, better now than later. So, O oh Lord, we ask, let your kingdom come. And Holy Spirit, remind us to pray that prayer again and again and again. Whenever we sense that things are out of control, let us invite your kingdom to come. In Jesus' name. Before we say farewell, I just, you know, if you had a, a comment or a question you want to ask, you're welcome to do that now, or you're welcome to ask later. Those online are welcome to share online. But anybody in the room have something you'd like to add or a question you'd like to ask? <laughs>